0: Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Driven by Design, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design, one conversation at a time with our driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. <laughs> hello, hello. We're ready to do this today yes sir so well we've we've been trying to get this one on the books for a while here so i appreciate we got two great minds together here two wild topics uh take us there brian who'd you who'd you bring along today to talk with
1: we've got david macon today um and i'm really excited about this because um you know in this world of automotive design there's mass production and then there's limited run production and i love 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 seeing people who create uh, vehicles from scratch that are pure, pure statements. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if anybody does it as exciting as well as David Macon does. Let's, let's let him say hello.
0: <laughs> hey guys, how are you guys? We're good. And this is the star of Toy Makers. For those of you who've seen the TV show, like I have, you guys are making some high end toys down there.
1: Yeah. You know, we're really, really great. You know, so would, great to have you on
2: there. Yeah, I appreciate it. We're truly blessed. I mean, to be able to be surrounded our, ourselves with the right people and the right tools, and be able to do what we do and make a living at it. So,
1: yeah, you know, and I think that's the the dream a lot of people have. You know, when you when you when you see your vehicles on television and they're you know they're loud and they're big and they're amazing. Um, what I love about them are they have this sort of visceral feeling. And me being on the flip side of automotive design, where I'm creating work that's like in mass production. What I hear more often than not is when I talk about the future of self-driving cars, people will say, well, I like to drive. I, I love that feeling of, of uh, you know, the loudness of cars. And <clears throat> so do I. And so that's why I'm glad that people like you are doing what you do because it's serving the other end of the spectrum. I, I'd love it if you could just sort of to, to kind of kick this off. Talk a bit about just what inspired you to create these cars. Like where, where, where do they come from for you?
2: You know, as a kid, you know it was always that poster on the wall. Mine happened to be a Lamborghini with Farrah Fawcett in the picture. And from <laughs> my era, that was like the hot car and the hot lady. You know, so you, you always wanted that poster on the wall. And you know, when you're shoveling snow in the winter and mowing grass in the summer, it's sort of out of reach. So, but we were racing cars, racing motorcycles, go-karts at the time. But you, 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 you develop into a skill set of working on your own stuff and going faster. My my grandfather worked for Packard and Studebaker. My dad was a gearhead. He built hot rods. So it was just a very natural fit. I couldn't afford to buy what I wanted. I had to learn how to build what I wanted. And uh, mm, it just, it just sort of grew into a a lifestyle of what I did. And then I chose a couple of careers that, that also picked, uh, like if I needed to build a transmission, you know, I didn't go get a transmission done. I went and got a job at Amco Transmission, learned how to build a transmission. You know, I did that for a summer. And if I wanted to paint a car, you know, I went, went and got a job at a paint shop, learned how to paint a car. Um, mm-hmm. And I did that for a couple of years, you know. And you just end up picking a field of work that lives in your world. It was, it was a brilliant life for me. I don't say it was made for everybody, but for me it was – I've really been very blessed and very fortunate in my life.
1: Well, and I love that idea that if you want to do something, you go and learn about it. You know, it's really funny the parallels there, right? So you you create hot rods, and you and you had Ferrarazzo with their Lamborghini on your childhood bedroom wall. Now I had Mike Writer and David Hasselhoff on mine. How how perfect yeah. that I would end up designing self driving cars.
2: So my, you know, the cars that, on my that, wall didn't exist. <laughs> but you know, you're, but you're right though. That you're you're, you're a product yeah. of what you grew up with.
0: You know, and that yeah. listen, I remember
2: that car very well, and and. The only difference for me now is now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my middle 50s. I love all aspects of cars. I don't care if it's electric. I don't care if it's self-driving. I don't care if it's a flying car, like them all. And it's learning how to adapt and change with the times and still be current and live up to what I find interesting. Um, and Absolutely. And that's to challenge it best. But I love what I do, so...
1: And it shows in your work. Um, one of the things I love about your vehicles is I was saying when we started, but um uh, that they're so pure. Um, you know, if, if, whether you're doing a motorbike like the Street Digger or um even the, the beast, you know, it's like it's very much a beast, you know. Um I'm curious, um, now so you you know, you, you clearly were so impassioned by the mechanics of vehicles but when you create a car you're also creating the styling and the way the car looks and feels which is um is a, is, a, is a huge element of the design process do you do that in-house or do you bring people on board or how do you visualize your
2: ideas listen all this started as a child and from that poster mm-hmm. i promise you i i've got a list of about 50 vehicles that that i'm going to build in my lifetime and it mm-hmm. could be a matchbox car a hot wheels car could have been a poster i see most of that stuff isn't drivable when you look at a hot wheels car when i was a kid right
1: right right so so it's with the two engines sticking me, out of the roof that it would be in front of the windshield and stuff like that you need so our listeners it, it, to understand exactly yeah, like it doesn't, it are, doesn't
2: exactly right. it doesn't make sense so for me trying to figure out how to build that in real life and make it, and it's, it is about a line. It is about a stance. I've got three cars sitting in front of me as we speak that have a wheels and a body sitting there, and they will sit there for months as I walk by and look at them and tinker with them and stuff around. It's all about a line, but ultimately in the end it's got to be drivable and got to be fast. Um, it doesn't make any good to build a paperweight that just idles mm-hmm. through a parking lot. You know, if it's going to have, you know, my newest car's got three thousand legitimate horsepower. If I can't go out <laughs> and drive it and use it, what good is it? So
1: right, it's just like a know, steroid bodybuilder who can't actually lift up a uh, bag of groceries at that point. <laughs> you, you gotta like, you're you got exactly use those right. <laughs>
2: yeah, so, yeah. You know, For you me, it's you know, it, it. It is about a line in a body. We do it all right here in right house
1: well you know i love one of the things you just mentioned as you were talking i'd really like to call out and dive in a little deeper on it you said that you'll have a car by on wheels sitting in the studio or your shop uh and you'll walk by it and it might sit there for a while and you might not work on it now one of the things i've often heard uh creative people when they're young they're often told that they have add and I'm, i'm very grateful to my mom who did not believe in add she believed in the creative spirit being that you work on something for a while and then when your attention span is off, you let it sit and then you go back to it. And my mom always taught me, as long as you're actually finishing something, I don't care how you get to the end. You can have whatever process you want, but just finish your projects. And I, and, I, and, ra- and I was always very grateful that she didn't put me on some medication because I, I was a really creative kid working on a million different things at once. But this thing that I don't think a lot of people understand is that the creative mind isn't linear. And I'd love you to, for you to talk a bit more about um, the, the sporadic way you might work on it and live, as you said so beautifully, you'll live with it and look at it as you walk by. Could you dive in and help people understand how that process works sort of in the back burner of your mind?
2: The, the, the big joke in my shop is I go to bed every night with a question every night because mm. I'm so tired. I put 12 or 14 hours a day in, and my mind is tired, I don't have the answer. I wake up at 3 a.m. with the answer every night. It, that's what happens, I start relaxing. I look at my notepad as I sit here at my desk, I look down and I have a little sketch of a of a uh, a vehicle that is in my mind, and I'll look mm-hmm. at that sketch and change the sketch periodically over time. You're right, I got a million projects that I'm working on. and. It isn't that I, I don't want to finish them. They're not right in my head yet. I've got to truly yes. get it built yes. in my mind. The line's got to be right. I've got to walk away. I've got to step away, look at other projects, work on other things. Maybe I go to a car show and get an idea. Um, then I come back, and as I'm walking, I might be walking by out of the bathroom and go, oh, oh, oh. And man, I'll stop everything I'm doing to go back to that project. I, yes. I think you're right we didn't have add when i was a kid you know we, we, didn't, no, we didn't, didn't have those exist.
1: terms yeah I mean, yeah, line, we, think it, what yeah. it does is it tells people that there's something wrong with them when in fact it's a very healthy creative way to be you know I, I think about like i love the way you just said that about like you know you might come in three o'clock in the morning you know and, and as, a, as a as a freelance consultant now with a consultant of my own i don't work in a studio but when i was at nissan and I'd be working on a, on a car, you know, the clay model. I'd pull in my Volkswagen Westfalia camper bus at night into the studio and sleep there so that when I woke up in the morning, it would be the first thing I saw. And then, you know, I'd go take a shower in the lockers. But one of the things I miss about that is that when I go visit a client and see the clay model, let's say, you know, the other side of the planet somewhere, I look at it for two hours and then I leave and it's that it's that moment of being around it when you're not thinking about it that I just love and I was like I keep telling my clients let's bring the models over here we need to live with them you know and I think it's that it's that living with it I, it seems like you, you do that so well
2: I I really do and, and, and even more so is I didn't realize this until I had another I, you know I have a son he's 14 years old and a couple of years ago he was di- diagnosed with a dyslexia and when they were doing all I realized very quickly that, oh, my Lord, I have dyslexia. I had no idea. No idea at all. You didn't know. I, yeah. Um, I didn't know. But it, it, I always came to answers in, in a non-practical way. Everybody thinks inside the box. I don't believe inside the box. I don't believe it. Um, I believe that, that there's nothing wrong with people that think inside the box. But anybody can get to an answer. It doesn't matter how you get. I used to get in trouble in school because I got to the answer the wrong way. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe in thinking outside the box. That's what's innovative. I believe in failure. I believe you have to fail to succeed. I believe you cannot win a race if you don't lose one. Um, I believe you have to to really, to, to be an innovator, you have to do things that aren't practical and aren't inside the box. Otherwise,
1: well and, and the box itself it. and the box itself yeah, is I, a metal construct if you really think of it. I, I was always so grateful really for the the studio I, I came up in as a young designer I had this fallacy called um, freedom to fail. And it was and it was really this it was as long as you're meeting your deadline, you know, as long as if you have your main project you got, got you got you, you perform, you can experiment with anything you want. You can make a you can make a car out of sticks. You know what I mean? And, and, and maybe the bark from the sticks ended up becoming – because what the failure does, let's say failure is a relative term. But let's say you make a car out of sticks, right? And it's, and it's obviously not going to be a practical car. But maybe maybe the texture of the bark informs the interior fabric. You know, And, that, and you wouldn't have gotten there had you not driven down that cul-de-sac of a, of a car made out of, bar- of wood, right? <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? I to- so, totally so, agree. That, but that's how I think, though. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. It, most people don't do that, though. They, mm-hmm. you can find, can find success in your failures, even if it tells you what not to do. It's like there is a, yeah. there is success in failure. I promise you. So
1: that's a great segue. I'd love for you, because you, you do have such a, a, a bright, shining star of success, and you're on television and people know you, um, and they see the successes, right? You know, I assume you know the TV show is so well-produced and focuses on the A to B of how these products are like. Is there a failure that stands out in your mind that you you that you go to when you think of either it makes you laugh or it was something you learned from it? Um, tell me about a, a bright, shining failure and what you got out of it. <laughs>
2: You know, honestly, for me, it's 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 everything everything that I do every day. You know, making television to me, I build cars. You know, we do we do we do the OEM cars. You know, you take a Camaro, a Mustang, or, or whatever you build, and it's simple. It's OEM stuff, and that's easy. Everybody does that. The one-off stuff is what I love to do. Where you, it's a napkin drawing that I've been tinkling with for years. The failure to me is that should be the hard part of what I do. I was mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, Thought TV would be easy. I'm just going to go build a car. Walked mm-hmm. into television knowing 95% of what was going to happen. All my friends had TV shows, and this is a cakewalk. After, you know, I'm going into year four, I got a second show coming out now. And I realized after four years, I I know 5%, not 95%. Television's hard. Uh, it is. You're dealing with that aspect, and, and it, it, it's hardest thing I've ever done in my life ever. It's the most rewarding, but it's the hardest Mm -hmm. thing I've ever done in my life. So failure is, is just thinking that I was going to walk in here, build a car. It's going to make a TV show. It's going to be great. I I laugh every day about it. I cry. I, Mm -hmm. I cringe. I, I mean... You build a car from scratch. I mean, from scratch. After, I mean, the chassis, the windows, the body, the seats, the puddles, the sh- every inch of the car. Everything. And the producer, when you get done, producer throws cameras in it and goes, all right, let's go for a spin. It's like, wait a minute. Can I test right. it first? Yeah, they, can we, right. Go, no, of course. No, no. Yeah.
0: no absolutely not. not. You first
2: fire up, you pull yeah. it out of the shop and you got cameras. So I'm learning how to mm-hmm. drive the car, you know, through twists and turns, you know on camera it's like like the beast mm-hmm. we were talking about the beast earlier 1200 horsepower two thousand pounds and i'm driving it through the valley of death in vegas you know, <laughs> i'm like my very first test drive i didn't know if it was going to stay cool i mean i i knew it would we we could, got a hell of a team but
1: you, but, but no but pressure, that first and you know and i and i get that's why they want to capture you know um, I'm glad you're talking about television because it, it's such an interesting medium and because you're telling stories in real time and you're also trying to curate what that story is going to be. I was on a reality TV show myself a few years ago where we had to build cars as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about, where that moment you're – when you're privately creating something and you are testing something out for the first time or it's going wrong – you know, you have these moments of maybe breakdown or, 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 or you're nervous or you're upset, and it's very private. It's a very private experience. But when you're on camera and, and the, you know, no. the shit's hitting the mm. fan and then things are going, <laughs> well, that's what they want. That's what they want to tell, right? So, like, you're, like it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be. But you do it so well where you allow that vulnerability to be seen, and I think that's why people like you so much because it makes you real.
2: You know, well, I, I again, it, it, I, I say it's the hardest thing I've ever done, the most rewarding. But you got a microphone on and a camera shoved in your face, and you cannot, and you you, you don't know if the car's gonna. I mean, you, you built the suspension and the aeons and the spindles and the brake systems. It's like, oh my lord, you want me to do? And I'm doing a hundred miles. Like last year, my season finale car, I'm doing a hundred miles an hour backwards. <laughs> I mean, backwards. I you spin the car around backwards, <laughs> and I'm going. Uh oh! You know, if right. the camera guys don't move, like, you you tell the camera guys don't move. It's my job right. not to hit you. You know, it's like,
1: so it's really your job not to hit them. <laughs> they will stay yeah, there. Like, oh my you know Lord. Well, I, I, I learned some tricks on TV. I, I did learn if you really get really get uh, frustrated, and you don't want to be on camera. Now, reality show is a little different than yours because it's your show. Uh, you know, I was a contestant, but I would learn that if I sang a copyrighted song. The cameras—they couldn't use that. Oh, yeah, they,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I was really upset, I'd start singing like Rolling Stones or something really expensive, and then they
2: couldn't That's film me.
1: <laughs> but no, funny. I know exactly what you're saying. It, but it's, but it's that, that you know, and, and it's that moment of reality. And I, and actually, I think television is a, is a wonderful medium too. It gets a bad rap, especially some of these build shows for not being real. But the challenge there is to re- is What I found, being on the, the flip side of it, on the inside of it, is that um, it's. On um, nearly impossible tasks, people are trying to tell a story in the middle of chaos. And one of the things you, you do well is I think the more real you can be, the more you can allow people to see what you're doing, the more of the story they actually get. And, um, and, I, can, and I absolutely understand what you're saying about that being a very big challenge because those very vulnerable moments are right there for everybody to see.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you've got to remember, too, you bring up another point is chaos. You you take uh, mm-hmm. my season finale car for this year. It took me two years to build it. I have forty minutes as an hour-long show. Forty minutes. So you have to build that car on camera in forty minutes. Plus you have to tell a story. You got to why are you building the car? What's the reason for the car? How? So it's amazing. You get two years of build. I built every inch of the car. So you can't mm-hmm. do it in forty minutes. So you no. can and tell a story and. So there's a lot of it, – it, it's, it's, it's overwhelming at best.
1: It's overwhelming to produce, and it's overwhelming – and I think on the flip side, it's overwhelming to curate so that you're really telling the nuggets of the story. And the truth is, is that you will never tell the whole story, and that's why there's no. so much good behind-the-scenes footage. But, but I mean, for a builder such as yourself, I think this is one of the key uh, things people can take away, too, and I'd love you to talk about it, is that – okay, so here you are now. You've, you've created these cars. Um, you know, people know them they're they're in people's hearts, especially people that are your diehard fans. But the side of the story that they probably don't see or know as well, let's see if they're sitting at home on a Sunday you know watching you or, or you know binge watching your show, talk a bit about before this happened like where were you in your life where you decided like did this just fall into your lap? were you at a kind of a job that you had beforehand that you didn't want to do anymore like Talk a bit about that moment of sort of like the early budding of your career where it's full of like energy and it hasn't happened yet. Um, what you know, what sort of prompted you to take these risks?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. You know, I, a lot of my friends were doing TV or I was involved in some sort of TV show numerous times, whether it was, you know, Jay Leno's show or, you know, all these guys were doing shows. And, you know, I had... You know, where I was helping with a vehicle doing that show or doing something else behind the scenes, where somebody called me in to be an expert on or do something. But what, what got me was is I was doing a lot of stunt work, you know, for Six Flags, Universal, and whoever it happened to be for the summer. You're making good money or you're, you're, you're doing these different things. There's no living there, if that makes any sense. You might work for six months, might be off for a year. Um, or you get old and you don't heal like you used to heal if you got hurt. Um, and everybody kept saying, look, and you're just a natural, you do a TV show. I said, I want nothing to do with a TV mm-hmm. show. It's fake. I don't want to argue with anybody. Nobody in my shop argues. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, it, it, it isn't what I wanted to do, I, but I... I want to build cool stuff, and I want, to, mm-hmm. I want to be able to, I mean, just think about it. I really live the dream. It, it's hard, but I get to build what I want to build. We're around the people that I love. I love the industry in itself, the people, the products, the future of it, where it's going, what it, where it's been. Um, and that's, that's a passion of mine. So mm-hmm. the television show just became a natural progression. As I got older, I could still dabble with what I want to do. I don't have to race anymore. I don't got to get hurt. I don't got to fall off buildings or, you know, fight on camera, if you will, behind the scenes in the stunt world. I could actually live my dream in front of the camera. Um, Mm -hmm. It it just sort of naturally progressed. I didn't want to. Um, I sort of got talked into it. I had a bunch of producers approaching me going to please do a show kept saying Interesting. one guy finally got to me and i just said okay i'll do it i, I don't know why um, outside of the fact so you so you were, so you to were approached to do up. it
1: uh, <clears throat> yeah I, you know there's one thing i, I want to put a little pin in so that we don't forget to come back to it because i, I um when you're ta- you're telling the story here you talked about the future and the past of the industry being um, one of your passions so i'm just giving myself a little reminder that i want to circle back to that but first um when you're doing, I love what you said about when you're being a stuntman and you're working in television, mm-hmm. two things were, you know, first you're, you're, you get, you get it's, it's hard work. I mean, you're, you know, I, I, it, it goes without saying that stunt work is hard work, but I don't know that everybody really understands exactly what a stuntman does. And you really are putting your body through the ringer, uh, you know, every day. And the idea that you, you know, you, you're now surrounded by this world of television, you're doing what you love, you know, building things and you love doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is interesting about that that people can take away is that you put yourself into a universe where opportunities would come to you versus having that you actually turn down versus having to go chase things down which a lot of people do and 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 it becomes very elusive if you're chasing things but the organic way that you put yourself in the world of television and cars is it, it may have happened subconsciously for you but it was a really great way to build the seeds for this future, which is now your present, and, and I think that's really beautiful because now what you've done is, since you sort of planted those seeds or you're in that world, the opportunities came to you, uh, and then eventually, you know, you got, you know, we're talked into doing this show, and it turns out you have a great, you know, disposition on camera and such. So it's like, um, I think people don't realize that they create the universe they live in almost subconsciously. Do you know? I couldn't. Go ahead.
2: Could. Couldn't agree more, but you bring back something we talked about early on in this conversation. It's getting outside the box. I loved my mm-hmm. world, but when you're chasing mm-hmm. the job and you're chasing the work and you're chasing the, you know, now it's like I, I get to, to build what I want to build, drive what I want to drive. I get to go out and play in anything I want to play in. I And, and I, I've created my, I, I just got outside the box instead of me hunting the job. I, I, I wanted to create something that would, would last forever. I could bring my, my son up into it if that's what he wanted to do. I could create a great avenue for all of my friends in the industry that I love. Um, and, and not so if I could chase it, it would come chase me. <laughs>
1: And I love that you, you mentioned, you know, your son being this thing, something that he could now play with, because then you're really talking about not in the esoteric sense, the literal future of the industry you're working in, because he's going to if he likes this, uh, and is inspired by your work, he's going to do it in a very different way than you did. Right. <laughs> because he's, he's come up in a completely different generation. And I think <clears throat> that. a nice tie-in to creativity in the past and creativity in the future and and as you said earlier on in the conversation we are always influenced by the world that we grew up in and so that's why oftentimes i find uh having come up in the analog era and then switching into a digital era as soon as i got into the car industry i i see the world very differently in about creativity than the kids in college do today and i love being around them because I think as a creative person, the last thing you want to do is ever say, well, in my day, we did it this way. Because as soon as you do that, you stepped off the train of creativity, and you're just trying to replicate what you did in the past. And so I, love to, be, I know, I'd love to meet your son if he's creative and stuff like that. I'd love to hear his ideas on this because this industry is changing. I mean, <clears throat> let me ask you, literally, could you ever imagine a self-driving hot rod? what would that look
2: like? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Something well, I, crazy I, is that. I, I think, I think about it every day. It crosses my mind. My son at nine years old, built a real hover skateboard, um, a real one that worked. Uh, my mm-hmm. son now at 14 is building his first race car. I mean, it, oh, I mean cool. he's a junior dragsters, that kind of stuff, but he's actually building a yes. full size drift car. He wants to go playing with. It. Wow. Um, my son is absolutely an out of the box kid. And he's brilliant. He, he's way, way better. And I, I humbled at how he, he'll be, he'll go so far past us. And and you're right. You don't ever want to say, here's what we did in our day. And people tell me that all the time. Um, and I fight that all the time with myself because I remember when a big black Chevy was a bad boy, now it, I call mm-hmm. it a flathead. Big black Chevy right. is just a flathead to me. You know, it's like um, right, right. the technology of today. And, and you're right. My season five, my season finale for season five, we're trying to mix a hot rod with electric with you know, I haven't, the self-driving thing, I get, I understand mm-hmm. it's coming, there's nothing I can do. I, I remember when 8-track takes, tapes went away and VHS tapes, <laughs> and I remember yeah. the first TV, and the, I remember I said, I'd never get a cell phone, now I can't live without one. Um,
1: well, you know, and I wonder, you know, but but therein lies, I always think that that thing of resistance, that point of resistance, when it, when, when it catches in our spirit, what's actually happening, if we're resisting, it really means we're holding on to it, right? And so yeah. what, are, out of that resistance, out of that holding on to that thing that we don't are not uh in line with therein lies i think a, a moment of creativity could you imagine like a world where like you know let's say a lot of these self-driving cars i work on are spaces where people sit facing each other and there is no steering wheel but <clears throat> what would be the uh, hot rod equivalent of that space for those people <laughs> you know like i think about it every day
2: well i think about it every day you're right because for me for me to survive in my world i have mm-hmm. to be willing to adapt. And I love to adapt because I keep my mind going. How can I make a self-driving car cool? How can I make an electric car cool? We know they're yeah. fast, you know, but what's, right. the, what's the allure for somebody my age with a hot rod? It's the sound, mm-hmm. it's the stance, it's the look, it's the a all visceral. of the above. To me, a, yeah, For me, a great sounding radio is a, a big cam with headers. That's a radio mm-hmm. for me. That's a um, radio, yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah. music. Uh, yeah it's music. That's music to my ears. I don't care about uh-huh, a sound literally. system. My sound system is the hatters so right. um, in a big cam. so when it comes to electric, we know we got horsepower. We know the car is brutally fast if you want mm-hmm. it to be. It's also smooth it's also mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's a brilliant technology so you can take right. that. Really cool, like we're talking about taking a 32 low boy, really doing it right, almost, you know, road racing style, big front tires, big rear, making it all. I can give it the stance, give it the look, make it electric. But when you take away the driving aspect, it's a whole other element. Driving Mm -hmm. today, my 14-year-old, I have a neighbor next door to me. I think he's 20, doesn't have his driver's license yet. That baffles me. Right.
1: Um, Baffles me, yes yeah, me too.
2: But
1: that's, yeah, but that's but the that's future. The
2: kids of today. So how do yeah. we make them cool? You know, and, and we—that's and our job. That's our job to stay relevant is to come up with something cool. And What's a version of a self-driving hot rod? I think I yeah. know, but but who really knows? It's it's a matter of watching and learning and listening. And, and you know, if it's self-driving, I mean, it's going to be electric. Probably does that mean it's going to be, you know, I mean the technology is going to be way off the deep end. But right, you know, well, you know, I love individuality I love that yeah, is important. I'm
0: There's... going to interrupt for one second here. We're going to wrap sure. this segment up here and uh, come back with part two of this right after this. I tell everybody how to get in touch with you, Dave, and uh, and and more about uh, toy makers and the new show coming out.
2: Yeah, you know, we're on all the digital platforms. You know, obviously, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter we're all over YouTube we got we're on the history.com um the new digital platform coming out we have a new show coming out on the digital platforms that we're filming now which is called the fast society which is a mix between basically it's fast and the furious but with real cars real drivers real racing I'm going to live personally in six different worlds of racing real race cars real motorcycles that go real fast and oh, uh, wow. it's going to be fun so it, it's it's and, and it's you know right now it's it's all about digital platforms so that's where the second show is coming out and all of the digital platforms and Toymakers will be a behind the scenes for that. So
0: well, we appreciate you spending time on our digital platform here, and uh, we invite you to stick around because we're going to talk the future here in part two with Dave Anken yeah, from Toymakers right. right here on Driven by Design.